welcome to the Hopeful Influence podcast, uh, podcast that explores Christian leadership. My name is Matt, and with me today, we have Jude. Hello, Jude. Hello, Matt. Good morning. You okay? Oh, good to be here. Absolutely. Good. And we have Jerome with us. Good morning, everybody. How are you, Jerome? I'm feeling good. Feeling all right. Feeling good all right. stuff. I think my hay fever's starting. Oh, it's oh. hay fever season. So if you, uh, you know, hear my breath, you know what it is. <laughs> Darth Vader isn't here. <laughs> but, um, get those, those antihistamines in. Yeah. It's the season. Uh, sorry for the lack of female voice on this podcast. Uh, the worst of this is that it's just another podcast by men. We, we don't need any more of them. We apologise. Another leadership <laughs> podcast done Leadership by men. is not male, just kind of like, <laughs> just to get that clear. Um, but yeah, but... but with schedules and different things, that's kind of the way it is. But it won't stay like that, will it? Definitely not. It will not stay 100%. like that. Brilliant. So we've been on quite a journey looking at uh, hopeful influence in the church in this second season. Um, and Jude, we're going to look a little bit further in as we keep going. We've had a bit of a broader picture so far, right? And we're kind of, we're, the lens is just going, the microscope is going further in and further mm. in. So what are we looking we're at? We're doing our best. What are we looking at this week? Brill. So, so absolutely. So this uh, is a series where this particular series we're thinking about uh, hopeful influence within the church. Uh, so how we express Christian leadership to one another within the gathered church family and, and um, locating ourselves in that bigger movement really of, of the, the church uh, on mission. Uh, sharing the good news of Jesus, being that catalyst amongst humanity and wider creation uh, for the advance of God's kingdom. It's an adventure, it's joyful, it's exciting. Um, and that God calls particular, well, just all of us have got spheres of influence where we can um, help others uh, move further forward uh, into the kingdom of God, life under the lordship of Jesus. That's our kind of our motif, our, our understanding. And so we're kind of riffing on different aspects of, of that. And in, in this particular one, in this particular one, we um, uh, we're kind of thinking about how we ex- help other people to experience more of the kingdom of God, helping other people experience more of the kingdom of God. So we've thought a bit about helping other people see the kingdom, helping other people participate in the kingdom. Now we're helping people to experience that that sort of dynamic of our of our leadership, how our leadership is expressed within the church. Uh, so that's our kind of focus really for, for this and the next um, uh, podcast. And um, I, I guess one way of thinking about it is that we kind of, you know, if we if we think about our movement into the kingdom and that, that sort of eschatological hopeful vision of, of life as it, as it should be, um, uh, in God, uh, that God-shaped future. Clearly, that that future is a is a joyful future. You know, Jesus talks about fullness of life. You know, we're talking about intimacy with the Father and with one another. We're talking about, um, you know, we're talking about joy. We're talking about, um, yeah, just uh, experiencing. Um, uh, just yeah, God, God's goodness, and in some ways, you know, various commentators have made made the observation on occasion. In some ways, you know, God is almost a bit of a hedonist in that sense, because you know, we 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 see that some of the imagery we get as we look ahead is is we see, um, you know, wide open spaces, you know, people um, caught up in worship and joyful expression. God wants you know our joy, our happiness, uh, our experience of life is important to God. And sometimes in our kind of leadership expressions, we can get so kind of focused on the where do we need to get to? How do we get there? Come on, folks, let's knuckle down and, 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 and you know, um, work hard together to achieve those, those goals, as it were. Sometimes when we kind of go on that journey, we can forget that actually the future that we're traveling into is a joyful, um, you know, intimate uh, you know, place, and, and and if we sort of lose sight of that that sort of the experiential dynamic of the kingdom of God, if we lose sight of that in our journey, well, there's you know, something's going wrong, isn't it? Because you know, our journey should be, um, you know, should be resonating with the future that we are moving into. You know, we can't kind of like, well, let's all slog our guts out trying to achieve goal x and then when we get there then we're going to enjoy ourselves we know rubbish it's like you know we're as we travel as we it's eschatological it's hopeful as we travel these things are echoing or should echo and resonate 
exactly the future that God is calling us into. So we're kind of, we're opening that up, trying to open that up a bit. What does that look like? What are the challenges? How does some of the shadow sides emerge in our leadership? What can we do to make that more real? And, and particularly helping others, helping others to experience the kingdom. What, what, what shapes does that, that take? So that's kind of where, we, where we're going, what we're focusing on. Uh, in these next two sessions, and I guess my question for you guys—I mean, I'm, yeah, the um, you know, maybe you could get us going with a little bit of what that looks like. What does it look like to experience more of God as we travel on this leadership journey? And what does it look like to help others to experience more uh, of God, good, of God's goodness, as we express? our leadership so yeah i don't know jerome why why not why not you help us out with this one yeah i think uh, well i can only speak from my own experience and um, and i think that's a great question and i I think a really important one actually because i think it 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 kind of touches on um integrity i think it touches on um kind of having a a life um that kind of bows to god if you like um, rather than just sections right and and uh, yeah, and I think you know part of that. If you use the idea of um, pressing towards, if you like, if there's a, there's a journey where we're going, and I think uh, if I could use that analogy, I'd say that the, that the journey is just as just as important as the destination, right? That the the journey is uh, really important. Um, and so, for example, you know, if if we are planning something, if we are planning an event, how we get there is really important, right? It's not just it's not just oh. The, the ends justifies the means, right? Actually, we, we want to, to run together or to walk together well. Uh, we want to not leave people behind um, who, are, who are part of our teams, who are part of our churches. We want allow, to allow people to have space to develop and to grow. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and I think actually, as we're thinking about what, what does that mean for us as leaders? Well, that, that means we need to have lives which, are, which also have space uh, for us, you know, to, to have. So, so we can't just be busy all the time. Yeah, as easy as that is to be, you know, we, oh, we're just we're just always too busy, always just like yeah, I'm focusing on the next thing. Um, but actually, it's important for us to have sp- space to reflect, space to have fun, space to enjoy ourselves, space to have nothing conversations, if you like. Yeah, not every conversation needs to be about the goal. And and I, yeah, and I think yeah, I just think that's really important for us just to, just to embrace that embrace that kind of wide journey of what it means to be a Christian. It's not just about um, kind of going out and doing a certain kind of thing. Uh, God mm. wants us to enjoy. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably my response to that question. Hey, great, great. And hey, a little phrase you used there: the end justifies the means. And actually, yeah, it doesn't. You know, the ends need to be connected to the means. Yeah, that's yeah, right. There's, there's, there's yeah. this interconnection, isn't there? Now, I think. Um, forgive <laughs> me now, but I mean, you and I are. I mean, we're I guess little slightly different generation. So I'm Gen. I'm Gen X, kind yeah. of a little bit older than you are. Yeah, yeah, How many yeah, years yeah. between us? It doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm a millennial. You're a millennial, right? So yeah. there's there's about almost twenty years between us. Correct. Almost right. Um, and I culturally, culturally, like I feel like you are, you are better than me at just. So not, not, na- just okay, stop okay, there. Okay, Full stop. Okay. You more you you are you more naturally okay forget that phrase uh, <laughs> you more late, you, you more it. naturally <laughs> inhabit you more naturally inhabit um, this sort of um, uh, this you you are very you seem to be naturally aware of the importance of enjoying the moment of of traveling well you're less obsessed about you know getting to that particular destination that we've defined or you know hitting that goal actually for you you want to travel well you, well I want to travel well of course I do but it's it feels a bit more written in with you and I, I don't I mean people talk about the differences between you know Gen X Gen Y Gen Z and I mean there would seem to be you know commentators tell us that that your generation is naturally uh, more attuned to the moment you know making the most of the moment and and um, making space for that and not being quite so obsessive about task-focused and goal-focused. Now, there may be other things at work in our culture, but I think you inhabit that. Is, is there anything that you... Do you see that tension in your own in your own ministry? How does that... You know, you seem to be uh, quite tuned in naturally to wanting <laughs> to enjoy. And and sometimes my generation will be critical of that. Yeah, Come on, Jerome, yeah. pull, your, yeah. pull your finger out. Help us. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I've never really put it. I've never really heard it that way in terms of generations. Um, 
I've got multiple things floating around my head. I'm going to choose one. Um, I think when I was younger, um, so I was, I suppose, a young Christian. I was like 17, <clears throat> and I was heavily involved in church. I was doing loads of mission stuff. We were going out. Uh, this is in Birmingham, in England. We were going out with our friends, and we were, you know, praying for people on the streets, all kind of. And and actually, um, I remember I I was so kind of fixated with this really exciting life. You could say this exciting goal, right? I just wanted to see people to know Jesus. And I think that's a good thing to want. Um, but I remember one time a very wise person, uh, perhaps my mom, uh, <clears throat> said to me, Jerome, you know, what, what do you think would happen if everybody became a Christian? Yeah. What would the purpose of the church be then? Because I, I just thought the purpose of the church was to make sure that every person hears who Jesus is. And that's not completely wrong at all. But she's asked me that question. I was like, oh, I don't really know. Because there wasn't room inside my mind to think about actually life together um, as Christianity it, it, in, in this kind of space of actually th- there, is some, there is a work that it isn't just about bringing people in, but actually there's a, there's, a, uh, there, there's a work to create a community which Jesus would really, really love to be into. Right? Um, and I think from that age, something was instilled into me that actually um, I, I, want, I want Christian community to be a really, really not just safe, safe, but enjoyable space, right? And does that make sense? So like, I think conversations like that uh, really kind of challenge my, my mindset. It's like, oh, well, actually, it's not just about uh, bringing people in, but what are we bringing people into? This community needs to be one of, of life, of vibrance, et cetera. So I think that's kind of one of the threads that has kind of uh, followed me throughout. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's so good. Helpful. So I guess as an evangelist, as a natural evangelist, yeah. you had this kind of focus on salvation, on yeah, almost like right. this moment of salvation. You know, let's you know ha- tell people about Jesus, get the response. You know, have see great. that see, see that, that moment of <laughs> right, and 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 this bigger sense of actually God, God has a plan and a purpose for a richness and a wholeness. Yeah, you know, right. Jesus, you know, uh, what is it? Um, John 10, 10, you know, I've, I've come that you would have life and life to the full. All of its full. You know, you see Jesus just kind of enjoying life with his disciples. What is it, that picture of, you know, the Sabbath and picking mm. picking the grains of corn with his disciples, getting into trouble with the Pharisees about it, but just enjoying the moment, enjoying the day. There's, there's you know, the table fellowship. Yeah, that's you know, right. Table, we, we talk a lot about table fellowship before we could. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, there's richness there, isn't there? Right. Yeah, right, that's right, and it's yeah. attentiveness to that. Yeah. Go on, Matt. Help us out. What's your um, What's your take on this? Yeah, I th- I think um, I'm not really sure what to say because I I think I agree with what you guys have said about the different generations and the way it looks and um, I d- I don't know the I I grew up a little bit in when I was 17 and 18 in this um, hedonistic God movement thing right where it was God just wants you to have the most fun all the time and you know go crazy and do you know and i think that was actually just a knee jerk reaction from a previous generation that told the opposite and i think um it's actually not that black and white um but i th- i think we really need to care about our relationships rather than our tasks is um and the, one of the ways of doing that is by thinking about the moment and i just think about i mean uh, I find it quite easy just to think in the moment, be in the moment. I don't care about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be what tomorrow will be. Yesterday has gone. And and maybe that's just a strategy that I use to keep my stress levels down or to ignore, you know, the, the tensions and the pressures around me. Um, but, but I think it makes a comfortable space for people around me. Um, and so it's, there are good and bad things. And it's not just like we all need to just live in the moment. But I think there is something about it that helps people uh, feel like the the space is really safe. Um, and so I agree with Jerome on that. Um, yeah, and I, I just think about, you know, my job is not to be God. You know, my, my God is, oh my God, my job is um, to, to work with God, partake in his goodness, to help others partake in that goodness. But I am not in control, and I am not Lord overall. And so if I'm not in control, then I probably shouldn't worry about those things um, that only he can control. Mm. Um, but the worst of that is I just don't do anything. I just rely on yeah. you know, the moments. 
Yeah, it's definitely a shadow side to that, isn't there? And, uh, and of course, we, we've got to be proactive, don't we? We can't just That's we right. can't just go where the wind blows. You know, we just can't do that. <laughs> Not all the time, but. But we do see at times where going where the wind blows is a good thing to do, mm. right? So it's we're not talking about you know throw away. You're not saying to throw away your diaries, guys. That's not what we're saying. And I think that is a caricature. Like we're not actually. I'm not actually like that, you know. But the worst of me is like that. So that's the other side. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. I love this. I mean, I'm just thinking about John chapter three, and you know, the wind blows where it pleases, and. You know, you can't see it, but you know, and I, and so I, I kind of want to, I want to go where the wind blows, but, but I think the, um, I think we're, we're saying the same thing, aren't we? There's, you know, the, the, the back office stuff, the attention to detail, the organisation. You know, some, some of us aren't are, are less naturally, um, happy with it or, or want to spend less time in those spaces, and, and that's a sort of personality thing. And that's, that's cool. But I think those are, you know, it, it's not just about the moment. The moment is, is, is essential. And attentiveness to the moment is essential, but there's there's other dimensions to it uh, too. I, just as you were speaking, Matt, it got me thinking a bit about so preaching. So w- one of the things that we we try and create a lot of space for in our church is is uh, helping people um, have a go at preaching. Uh, you know, we'd love to make space for people who are you know beginning to explore ministry for themselves to develop a, a preaching gift. And and so you know, if you come to St James for six or seven Sundays on the trot, you will hear quite a few different people preaching and um and now one of the things that i so some of my in sort of inherited journey i guess is it as it were you know um you know there have been church expressions that i've been part of where there's been quite a lot of pressure on the preach do you know what i mean you know, this is like the centerpiece it's gotta be good <laughs> this is the centerpiece of our service and you know we need to teach people well and equip them and so there's a certain pressure there and i can remember in, in the you know the first the early years i guess of my my own exploring my own ministry and preaching that actually you know i'd felt quite tense and quite you know anxious about it and and some of that was stuff for me and some of that was other but but some of it was also culturally within the churches that i was part and and one of the things that i have really over these last 10 years at st james where we we really tried to make space for young leaders to come up and preach share word with share the word is i'm deliberately um you know all the little um uh, sort of, uh, you know, hardwired reactions in me to kind of like want good preaching and like, you know, when when I, this person's stepping up to preach, he's never preached before. I'm doing everything I can in my body language, in my tone, in my my posture. I'm trying to dial out the stress, and the, this is not a thing. This is not um. This is not the the huge thing that we might turn it into in our minds. Do you know? What I mean? I'm trying to dial it down because I want. I want this person to enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? I want, I want, you know, I want our church family to enjoy it. I don't, this is, we, it's like we've, historically we've done something there and, and it's got into, it's got into our psyche maybe or got into my psyche. Now, now some people have not affected by this and, you know, praise the Lord, a lot of the Gen Z's coming through but wouldn't even know what I'm talking about. You know, they're just like, well, I'm going to share because that's what we do and wonderful. But there's definitely a bit of unlearning there. And and so there's an intentionality sometimes I think in our leadership where we where we recognise that we've got a bit out of sync and and the journey isn't resonating with the destination. Uh, you know, God doesn't, of course. You know, in the you know in the new heavens and the new earth, when we share wisdom and encouragement with one another, that is not going to be a stressful experience because we're just speaking out of who we are and we're we're together and we're riffing and you know, and so I want that for today. You know, I don't let's not get all wound up about it so so yeah so there's a little example i think from from myself i think as a leader as well uh, helping someone to experience probably means that you're doing something different and you're not experiencing that i think about some of the so as a worship leader um i really appreciate it dudes that you have that you don't bring your own opinions to me about what you think about the worship sets or what you think about this song <laughs> or what you think. Whereas not every leader yeah. is like that. Yeah. And the leader is actually just a frustrated um, ex-worship leader. Oh. And they really just want to be there and they want to give Do their that. opinion yes. and they want to tell you that they didn't like that key and they didn't like this song. or And that's not helping that person experience. Yeah. That's just giving your opinion. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 
And it does, and, and the danger is it then makes it, you know, whether the comment is is helpful or unhelpful, or right suddenly, or wrong, or right or wrong, it starts to make you more self conscious, right, doesn't yeah. it? In your, right. you know, oh gosh, what's what's what the leader? Go, what's think? the leader going to say next time I pick up the guitar? That's so you, right. Suddenly you're, you're analysing stuff. Now I don't know. There is a tension there between how we help one another and contribute to one another's growth. But you, yeah. But I know that if you tell me something now, then you, that has been filtered with. Does yeah. it need to be said or doesn't yes. it? Yeah. Is it in my opinion or isn't it? Mm. You know, I mean, hopefully it has. You know, <laughs> I don't know. But but there's a because you're not doing it every week. Yeah. <laughs> or every set. Thankfully. You know that's but that's the worst of it, isn't it? As a leader, we're like, I want this to be good. So if I want it to be good, I'm gonna have to tell them this thing. And actually, no. I, I want them to experience, mm. you know. And there's there's a there's a posture here yeah. to sit in that doesn't mean I just control everything, or um, or that I have to give that it has to look my way, mm. or that it has to um, be what I want. And so, um, it's and quite we're learning for ourselves in that experience too, isn't that's it? Because right. you know the the you know the, the preachers, you know, in ten years' time, they'll have figured stuff out that. You know that I I can't offer them, you know, and and so you got to have space to kind of go on that journey. That's right. So, mm. Yeah, just like buzzing a little bit with that. Uh, is, that is that okay? Just um, just you spoke earlier about about Sabbath and rest, um, and I, and I think you know I don't know maybe it's a bit of a we need to chat more about that kind of thing because, um, you know, I, when I was growing up, I was just told that Sabbath meant to just not doing anything. <laughs> okay, yeah, one one yeah. day of the week you, you just, just you don't down, do anything. You're downing tools. Yeah, yeah. you just not do anything. And like you know, I, I just don't know if that's that's a biblical picture. I don't know. I want to challenge. I want to, you know, throw up the question: Is that a biblical picture of what Sabbath is? I think um, you think about rest. You think about peace. You think about shalom. You know, for 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 God to be at rest, it's not for God to not do anything, but it's God to enjoy His creation. For for a kingdom or a or a nation to be at rest, it's not like they're not doing anything. Actually, there's trade going on. They have good relationships with people. They're, you know, they have having good relationships with the other land. The, the, you know, the political parties are all kind of working together. The rest means it's not a passive, not doing anything, but it's it's a well working and well ordered, um, kind of experience where things are going well, and you know, and so for us to walk into that, um, as people who are hopeful for God's, uh, for God's future for us, you know, it, it doesn't. It doesn't just mean oh every now and then I just don't do anything, um, but it, but there is a preparation, isn't there, and a, and a way in which we we want to live well with people. Um, I think you said earlier Matt, um, about um, loving um, loving people and not just tasks. And there's a, there's a great poet Drake who says uh, in one of his songs, "I wish you would learn to love people and use things, and not the other way around." You know, it's that it's that element of of us us wanting to share together, and if that if that is our destination, then that's what our journey needs to look like, right? And um, yeah, so it's just just some thoughts on Sabbath there. Yeah, Drake, don't listen to the song. <laughs> so we have an interview this week with Nicky Gumbel. Jude, you got to speak to him recently. I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're going to hear a little bit from him, kind of about this experiencing the relationships and we're going to just uh, feed some stuff that just really uh, resonates with us after that. Great. Great. Well, a very warm welcome to Nikki, Nikki Gumbel. Nikki, delighted to have you with us today. Oh, lovely to be with you. Well, thank you for your generous uh, giving of time to this as we think about hopeful influence and particularly hopeful influence in the church. So we're thinking about Christian leadership expressed, particularly within the gathered church. And, you know, you've got, you've got a little bit of experience <laughs> with that, Nikki. Um, just, just remind us for anyone who's unfamiliar, uh, just maybe tell us a little bit about your, um, the way you've sort of inhabited uh, leadership within the church over the years and perhaps a little bit about what that looks for you now. Is that all right? Um. Well, if I was ever to write a book, it would be called Why No One Should Want to Be a Leader. Um, Because leadership is the price you pay for doing things. Um, And it's a bit like fame. If you, no one should ever want to be famous because just fame for fame's sake is totally pointless. And 
very costly. Um, but if you want to achieve something, it might be that you become famous, but that's the price you pay. And if you want to do, achieve things in terms of anything, really, in terms of um, change, in terms of, I mean, relief of poverty or justice or um, the kingdom, it may be that you end up having others who join you in whatever you're trying to achieve, and you may end up having to lead them. But that's not, uh, no one should sort of say, oh, I just want to be a leader. That's, um, <laughs> leaders will be judged, we're told, by a higher standard. I don't want to be judged by a higher standard. A low standard would be bad enough for me. Um, so I, 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 do, I don't want to be a leader, but I, I, I have got a vision. And um, I do want to see people encountering Jesus. And then, so that has led me to be um, ordained in the Church of England. And then to, uh, you know, as Alpha's grown, we've had a bit of a team that we've had to, to lead. But it's not, it's not, and I, and I guess being vicar of HTB, there's a team there as well. So all these things involve other people. And then you have to try and learn, read your book and find out how to be a better leader. Yeah, and hopefully other books too, but, uh, <laughs> oh, Nicky. The, um, now, um, it feels to me like, I mean, I, I called the book and, and this podcast is, is entitled Hopeful Influence. And in some ways I feel like the influence bit, I kind of, I kind of got it from you. I mean, I got, got it from other sources as well, but I think I first got it from you because you've, you've talked a lot over the years about how the exercise of leadership is almost an unavoidable part of Christian life because we all get to influence people. That's that's part yeah. of our social. That's how we find ourselves. We find ourselves in communities, in relationship, and so we have the opportunity to, influ to influence. So, I mean, is, is that right? Do, do, are, are all are all Christians yeah, I, called into influence? I think, in one sense, um, no one is a leader except Jesus. Um, Jesus said, "Call no one leader." Um, there, there's only one leader. That's Jesus. But in another sense, if you define leadership as John Maxwell defines leadership as influence, then all of us have influence. And he points out that even the shyest person will probably influence 10,000 people in a lifetime. So how are we going to use that influence for good, for Jesus? Uh, so uh, that happens every day when you're out shopping um, in the supermarket. Uh, you're, you have an influence you, you, on the person you, you talk to. If you go through the checkout counter, as very few people do now, but if you do, um, I did today and had a, had a chat to Zion, who was on the um, checkout counter, and because she recognized, she was do, it turned out she was doing the Bible in one year, but, but, the, um, but she said, and she asked me, are you a pastor? So I said, yes. She said, are you Nikki Gumbel? Are I doing the Bible in one year? But it, you know, and it made me think, oh, have I, how have I treated her? Have I treated her really well? Um, you know, and, and I think that's something we should be always uh, thinking about as we, because um, in a sense, you know, I think I wasn't, I, I wasn't thinking at that moment before she said that, oh, how can I, how can I be a good influence? But I think that's something that you should be thinking all the time. How can I be a, a good a good example, a good influence. How can I do um, help people? How can I love people? How can I encourage someone today? How can I help someone today? Um, I was very struck by someone who um, I swim in the serpentine. I think I've said to you, I swim in the serpentine in Hyde Park every morning. And um, there are a group of people who swim there. Most of them don't go to church. Most of them wouldn't call themselves Christians. But one of them, are, one morning she gave me this lovely note this so encouraging note um and um you know she's not she wouldn't i think she wouldn't call herself a christian but she was handing notes to each of the people um to encourage them Maybe. and so you just think i felt you know she puts me to shame it was um she was um uh, she was like just saying, you know, just wrote me a little note saying thank you for the for your smile, thank you for the, God looks good on you. Um, it was just sort of, it was just so I I felt I was elated all day having had her yeah. note. 
yeah. and you know then i saw her handing a note to to another friend of mine there and this woman literally sort of jumped on her and hugged her and she obviously she was so encouraged by what she'd said and so you know here's somebody who's who's not doing it for for the kingdom but she's using her influence to encourage people and i think all of us can use our influence every day yeah. to encourage people everyone we encounter yeah, it's fantastic and and i don't know i mean as, as christian people we said we i don't know we we've got this sort of idea i guess haven't we of, of this uh, you know the kingdom of god that, that god is in the business of renewing you know all things and, and that that's an activity that god is up to by his holy spirit all the time you know through the life of his people and hey maybe the overflow yeah. of that in, in in some unexpected places as well you know this 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 lady you know we, we see human kindness and goodness expressed you know yeah. in, in all sorts yeah. of not just card carrying christians as it were we see it, we see it yeah, everywhere. everyone everyone, is, everyone oh. is created in the image of god and um that image is defaced in all of us because of sin but but you know when you look at the what this um this young woman did um she was she was showing that she's creating the image of god and that she's then that's love tuning in she's uh, tuning into this movement of renewal and blessing yeah. and goodness that god is god is wanting yeah. to do us and so is that yeah. so 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 paying attention to all the small ways we can be influential to others i guess in, yeah. whether, we, whether we think of it in those terms or not in kingdom terms but it, it's kind of listening into the the spirit of god and joining in with what god wants to do i guess is it yeah i mean i think you can have uh, so there uh, a, a woman called barbara came to htb um and it uh she arrived at the church and the woman who greeted her smiled at her um and asked her name and so um, she came back the following Sunday and the woman said, oh, hello, Barbara. Oh. And because she remembered her name, she came back um, and she was, a, she was a young person. I think it was in 1947. And I took her funeral. Um, uh, aged over a hundred um and she was part of the church all those years um Amazing. i think she, she only died quite recently but she became the church treasurer got on the pcc but it was all because somebody smiled at her and remembered her name that's so that's leadership yeah. it's yeah it's influence it's it's um and that's something everybody can do everyone can smile everyone can try and remember a name i'm uh, I'm not going to remember. I had to write them down um, every time, just try and remember them. But it's, um, but you know, if you remember someone's name, you'll, you'll make your people love the sound of their own name. And it's, um, yeah. uh, if you can remember their name, that has such, such an influence. Um, the leadership conference, I'm going to influence, I'm going to um, uh, interview someone who uh, uh, was a Muslim. She married, um, uh, she's Nigerian, she married a Nigerian man. He went back to Nigeria. When she went over to see him, he'd married four other women and she didn't feel she could um, um, she didn't want to be one of five wives. So she came back and became a single mom. She had three children. When her brother died, she adopted another three. And <clears throat> her daughter told me, the first thing that she woke up to in the morning was the sound of her mother praying. And the last thing she heard at night was the sound of her mother praying. Yeah. Um, and if, if ever they did anything wrong, they heard her mother wailing um, in prayer to yeah. God. Um, and um, uh, all three of those children are, actually all six, including the three adopted one, are outstanding leaders. Uh, they're all married. They all have children. Um, I, I, my dream was to, I don't think I'm going to be able to achieve it, to get them all on stage, all 12 of the next generation. And then 
the 11 grandchildren. So the 24 people on stage who this one woman has influenced through her prayers. And <coughs> they're all, and the influence that they're having is extraordinary. Um, so she's a leader. I mean, she, her, she's using her influence uh, through her prayers. So a smile, a prayer, a name remembered. These are ways in which all of us can try and have used the influence that we have to, to try and represent Jesus to, to the world. Yeah, it's wonderful, incredibly inspiring, thinking about that woman's story. Now, Nikki, I mean, the, um, for, for some folks, you know, um, as you helpfully framed at the beginning of our conversation, um, you know, the pursuit of leadership, you know, maybe comes with some shadow sides and, you know, it's maybe about power or status. But presumably there's, there's the other end of the spectrum as well, where people opt out of leadership, where it just feels like, oh, gosh, you know, taking responsibility, you know, um, I don't know, working with, with others to achieve an end goal. Um, it just feels a bit intimidating. We, we disqualify ourselves even. You know, oh, I'm not a lead. I, I could never lead. That's just, it just feels, so I don't know. I mean, I suggest in the book, we, we've done things with the leadership term that are perhaps unhelpful. Um, uh, but what do you think? Do you, do you think, um, uh, is there a bit of a challenge within the church broadly to, to, to help people find ways to really fulfill the, you know, the, the fullest forms of influence that God might be calling them into, you know, whether yeah. that's on Sunday or in the wider life of the community <clears throat> or whatever it is. How do we, what does that look like? Uh, well, I think uh, in my experience, many of the best leaders don't consider themselves leaders. They haven't, they never, they, it's one of the things, we have a leadership conference every year at the Albert Hall. And um, I was always saying to the congregation, because I suddenly realized that they didn't think it applied to them because they didn't think of themselves as leaders, although many of them were. Um, and hey, famously, famously, your predecessor at HGB, yeah. Miller, would always say, wouldn't he? I'm, not, I, I'm not a leader. Well, I, sat next to him. I sat next to him at a conference at, um, uh, at Wembley, um, Wembley Arena back in the 1980s and um <coughs> there was a the, the speaker said at the end of his talk you know those involved in leadership come forward and practically the whole conference moved forward um apart from sandy who was sitting on my left and i said sandy sandy they're calling people leaders forward he said oh, i'm not a leader um you know for him it was only jesus and possibly alexander the great who were leaders. He didn't think of himself as a leader. Uh, and there's uh, something quite sort of healthy about that. I think, um, so. Hey, but, could we examine, could we examine that for a moment? Because I, because I feel with Sandy, I mean, obviously I didn't, I've, I've met him, I've talked to him, but I know him through others predominantly. But my sense is with Sandy that what he was great at was, I mean, he, he did sort of hold the reins and he knew the direction of travel. Oh, yeah. But, oh, but yeah. he also he also made space. He made space for people. I mean, you know, your working relationship with him, the way others stepped in, he he would create space for others. And and so and that feels like you know, as someone who's sort of a bit further down the line, and, and maybe the the product or the or the uh, the benefit receiving the benefit of some of that early wisdom and leadership, that that creating space for others, that isn't necessarily what leadership looks like in the world. That's not what we normally associate with the term. But maybe it is actually what's at the heart of, of Christian leadership, what we're meant to be doing. What do you think? Well, I think Sandy is the greatest leader I've ever come across, either in the Christian world or in any other world. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, he was he was he is a remarkable leader, but he he um, we still meet with him every every Monday morning. We have a prayer meeting <coughs> with um Pippa and I have been married 45 years and we're the newlyweds in the group. Um, most of us, Sandy and Annette, most have been married over 50 years. Nikki and Silla Lee are there, Jeremy and Millie Jennings and um, Sandy and Annette. And Archie's just joined it. So, but um, uh, I mean, we, it, it's meant to be an hour of prayer and we laugh for 58 minutes and pray for two. And Sandy has us all just laughing. He's so fun. 
Um, um, and you know, he's he always said intensity is not one of the fruit of the spirit. And <laughs> it was always such fun being around him. People wanted to, uh, you know, John Wimber always used to say, somebody said um, they were sort of called to leadership. He'd look over their shoulder and say, who's following? Um, and because, um, you know, that's the question is, um, that's a very good question. And the answer with Sandy is loads of people are following because he's fun to be, you know, he, he was humble. He never took the credit. He always gave everybody else the credit. Um, massively encouraging, um, uh, but just fun to be with and very wise, and very insightful um and a very strong leader actually but um but uh he, he was a he is because he's still going strong he is um an iron fist in a velvet glove um <laughs> where, where he needs to and, uh, yeah. yeah and he yeah no 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 you don't you don't um yeah as an unwise person who takes him on um but um but uh, but he's very gentle at the same time very loving and very humble, gracious. And hey, do you think that the thing about the humour there, because, um, you know, we, we've all been in leadership contexts where it can feel driven and it can feel quite task focused. It's about the end in the, the goal. And, and the, yeah, there's an intensity, you know, to that. And, you know, I put my hand up as someone who has been on a bit of a leadership journey to kind of to unlearn, you know, I spent a whole chunk of time in the corporate sector and, you know, to unlearn some of that, some of that intensity. Um, and in a Christian context, I think, so you so say this thing around um, within the hopeful influence motif, I, I talk about helping people to, to see the kingdom, to see where God's calling them, to help people participate, join in for themselves, but also help people experience more of the kingdom of God. And, and is there something in that humour and that, you know, can French, friendship, let's use that word, friendship, humour and friendship oh. together that that is almost a vital ingredient for, for authentic Christian leadership. Well, Christian leadership is, the we try and follow the model of Jesus. How did Jesus um, model leadership? Love. Uh, you know, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Jesus said he didn't come to be served but to serve to give his life as a ransom for many that's love lay the greater love has no one than this and they lay down their life for their friends so <clears throat> that's jesus's model of leadership is um <clears throat> laying down his life for his friends love so and he could for his friends so his model of leadership is based on friendship mm. and uh, that's what we always tried to do at HTB was have uh, <clears throat> people used to say when I was at theological college, if you're a vicar, you can't have any friends in the church. And Sandy basically said he didn't want anyone in the leadership who wasn't a friend. You come know, it's on, like come on, that's yeah. the whole, the whole yeah. thing, the whole whole of his leadership. Because Jesus, Jesus said, "I have called you friends," and it's friendship that. That's the model of, of leadership in the church, is friendship um, and love and leadership through love rather than any, any other sort of, you know, it's not, it's not the same as uh, sort of corporate, um, you know, if you're running a, a, a company, although even there, they're beginning to learn, I think. Yeah, I agree, yeah. That, that if, you, if you, you want to be successful, it's not a bad thing to um to serve uh, yeah. the santas model serve to lead and i think um anyone who's had any um experience of of good leadership will know that the people who lead best are the people who lead through love yeah. and who who want to, and who lead through serving uh rather than expecting other people to serve them yeah and and, and you know um avoiding sort of being manipulative about it but in some ways that that fosters commitment doesn't it and it fosters trust and it fosters you know a sense of togetherness and i think you're right i think the secular world is is waking up to some of those realities um uh, for sure <laughs>
Amazing. So good to hear from Nikki there. And, you know, Nikki, as you said, you had so, has so much experience with HDB, with Alpha, pioneering these things with the stuff you were talking about, with that revitalization of our nation and the, the way it's been kind of like the fire has been stoked uh, from that, really. And so it's so great to get the wisdom there from Nikki. I wonder if there's something that stood out from the conversation there that we thought uh, we just wanted to share about. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, well, that that particular thing about, um, I forgot the name of the gentleman. Sandy, Sandy Miller. Sandy, Sandy Miller. Miller, yes, yes. And talking about uh, that, that tension between friendship um, and kind of colleagues and, and actually, yeah, I, I'm just kind of struck by that. And actually, I think it's very countercultural and, and I wonder if, I wonder if, you know, that there's, some, there's some, some serious work here to be done. If you like a defense of friendship within the workplace. Actually, you know, it doesn't have to just be colleagues. You can really work well together mm. um, as a team. And as we've been talking about earlier, you know, if it, as, as we're journeying, we're, we're journeying, aren't we? we're hoping actually for a world where people are, are in real relationship with each other. So, of course, that journey needs to look like a relationship. It needs to look like friendship. And that, that's got to be intentional, doesn't it? You know, if you always ever just work, with people you're never mm. going to become friends mm. it's good. Yeah, so um, yeah it's, it's, I think that's really good I love it and I, I mean I think I'd say I'd want to keep running with that because yeah. I think for me that's a bit this landing and probably you know goes in lots of different directions there but I think I mean, one of the things that we've done uh, uh, quite a bit on over the last few years as a as a team is we we we've, we've keep revisiting the Enneagram as a as a way of thinking about um, a wonderful tool, yeah, a wonderful, a great tool for personality <laughs> and team, and you know some of our natural preferences in terms of how we operate, but also the shadow sides too. And and I I think one of the things that I think I found particularly helpful about that is that it means that you know for you for you, you two and you know the other ten or whatever um, you know in our <laughs> staff team and and you know more who've travelled with us over the last five or six years. Um, I feel like some of my um, some of my weaknesses, you know, as a person, as a leader, uh, are you know we've I found a language for some of those things. Mm. So you know, so uh, you know, Enneagram Eight, uh, you know, so a bit of a kind of. Um, the worst. Uh, the worst. <laughs> is it the worst? I don't know. The, I'm sure the they're worst. all good. Not in the own worst. Own so a bit of a bit of sort of um, I don't know to to you know the best of it being a bit mm. sort of visionary. Yeah. This yeah. is where we're headed. Um, mm. Yeah, there's a bit of the apostolic in there for Natural me. Natural leader. Yeah, come on, this come mm. on, guys. This is where we're going. Let's let's mm. move forward. But then the sort of the the shadow sides of that around control and like oh, it's got to be my way, and I get a bit miffed you know if things aren't going how i kind of thought that they would um, a bit miffed a is bit... the most under like stated <laughs> a bit miffed. <laughs> no uh, you know uh, can be but you know it can be abrasive can with be... their opinions right you know? okay. and direct, that's okay you know, di- direct, you know, direct yeah okay. all of that so, so that's totally fine so i'm coming with a bundle of shadow stuff right mm. in my but we but i've been able to articulate that and get that out yeah. like mm. in community with others who I'm the, the folks who I'm actually you know staff mm. to I'm spending most of my time with in our <laughs> church community so I'm getting that stuff out and so and, and of course you guys are doing the same right mm. so you know you you know and so there's a sense in which we are our starting position is I'm a bit broken I'm work in progress um you know, we need one another to learn and to grow. We can't really move forward into anything unless we're we're helping one another. Yeah, that's mm. the best of it, isn't it? That's the best mm. of it. And I kind of think that I've certainly felt that that's kind of helped um, create the conditions for friend. You know, for for friendship and because un- it's about the mutual understanding and, yeah, and, yeah. and um, um, you know the openness, the vulnerability, the let's help one another rather than that thing being the thing that really annoys me that's the thing that's been named as a work in progress thing so mm. let's let's work together you know on yeah. that and there's so much um you know no one can do anything on their own the worst of like some of the past church leadership stuff is the one guy that does it all by themselves gets there early does the chairs gets mm. there early does the tech gets there early, you know does all of it and nobody else does anything but in teams and together, mm. and I, I know just like on your thing, Judah, 
I don't want to sound harsh to it because an eight is a wonderful thing. So we really the world need thing. eight. Need and, eight. And that friendship that grows. I, I remember when I joined the team, um, me and Jude were having a chat. And the last thing Jude said to me before I went back to Manchester, before I was about to start the job was, I look forward to giving you a kick up the backside. Right. <laughs> right. This chat. <laughs> Right. Did and, I really say yeah. that? Yeah. And, oh, and it was Have mercy. and it was mercy so, it was done me. it was done in a jestful way. But it was funny. But what I know is that Jude <laughs> wants the best for me, right? Yeah, yeah. And so will tell me when he thinks I need to kick up the backside. Oh. But the opposite of that is I I got this story at this time when we all went to Nando's together. I can't wait to hear this. And there was there was no tables, there was no seats, there was no space for twelve of us, right? <gasps> And the lady says, no, I'm sorry, we can't get you in. And she goes, no, I can see a table over there. And he goes and sits us all down. He gets us in. He squeezes us all in. People had to shuffle up the benches. He, he's think, like, people are eating their food and he's like, sorry, can we just get in here? And he's like shuffling them up. <laughs> but Jude is fighting for his team, you know. And I know that Jude will fight for me. And there's been plenty of times when I've done some things wrong. And I've gone, oh, no. <laughs> I'm a bit worried about what's going to happen. And Judas fought for me in that. Yeah, that's and gone, right. Actually, no, I don't think you have done anything wrong. Yeah, we can all learn, but you know, you're part of my team. You're someone that I care about. Right. You're my friend. You know, and so you know, these things do have shadow sides. But I know my life is much better off having Jude in my life. You know, look at this. Turn oh, into a little love. So lovely. Such a love. That was um, such a great Nando's meal we had as well. I'm just <laughs> my mind is going back. It was it did get weirder, but yes, it it was a it was a time. But um but you know, so but those relationships together, those friendships together, mm. those fighting for each other, and we're all different. And so we have those different personalities, but we need them. We need them in our, and Jesus yeah, looks like yeah. all of this, the fullness of God and of humanity all in one. And so he would fight for, you know, his people. He had great compassion on people. And so, yeah, I think yeah, it's really important, yeah. isn't it? Amazing. We're going to talk more about this in uh, the next episode. This is kind of a two-parter. But Jerome, I wonder, could you pray for us as we finish? Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Well, God, we thank you uh, for this time, uh, talking about friendship, talking about uh, what it might mean uh, to help people experience uh, the kingdom of God. And I just pray for all of us, um, as we think about this, God, would you shape us into the people, to the kind of people that make space for others, uh, Lord, who don't always put ourselves first, uh, God, but choose to champion um, and to make space for others. Uh, would you do that work in us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.